0: Did you know sodium lauryl sulfate, a common cleansing agent found in shampoos and soaps, damages the natural protective barriers on your skin and lets in hormone-disrupting chemicals, which can be carcinogenic? Welcome to Sustainability Matters Today, where you'll learn about the fantastic work People and organizations are doing right now to heal our planet through environmentally friendly products and methodologies. My name is Daniel Hartz, and I speak with amazing champions of sustainability who prove a clean and beautiful future on Earth is possible because green practices oftentimes make financial sense. I aim to uncover the important role money plays in people's decisions to adopt and commit to environmentally friendly practices in order to create a chain reaction of positive change. In each episode, you'll also learn practical steps you can take every day to live a more eco-friendly lifestyle. Let's jump in. In this episode of Sustainability Matters Today, I interview Dennis James Cron, the co-founder of Tabitha James Cron Organic Hairdressing and Champion, of sustainable and organic hair care. Founded in 1999, TJK is a pioneering organic salon based in the Cotswolds, UK that runs 100% on energy from renewable sources. In 2015, they launched their own line of luxury organic hair products that deliver professional performance without compromising on the quality of ingredients. This organic hair care line recently won the Marie Claire Hair Awards in 2019 for being a game changer in the cosmetic industry. Please make sure to subscribe to the Sustainability Matters Today podcast to learn more about other champions of sustainability like Dennis. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining me on the show, Dennis. Great to have you. Thank you, Daniel. It's great to be here. So I'd love to start with you telling us a bit about yourself and really how you got involved with sustainability in general and also specifically at Tabitha James Cran.
1: Right. Okay. So, um, I moved to the UK in 1998, mm-hmm. uh, from the Netherlands where I grew up in, uh, in a society where, you know, recycling was very ingrained in everything we did. Right. Um, you know, from, um, bringing your empty bottles back to the shop, to collecting the newspapers from all my neighbors and then bringing them to school mm. once a week, where then the council would bring a lorry to collect all the papers of the whole town of the whole week in one go to bring them to the recycling point. You know, talking about a low CO2 footprint, yeah. one lorry trip, you know, just to one school, done, yeah. all the papers. um Bringing empty bags to the, to the shop. Uh, that was my biggest shock when I, when I first moved to the UK and I was actually refused service. I think it was a Tesco when I went there for the first time ever and brought my empty bags. Right. And the girl at the checkout looked at me and said, like, I'm really sorry, but you can't use those bags. And I said, I questioned why not? And she said, well, they don't have Tesco on. You have to use Tesco bags when you buy shopping here, wow, and I actually had to insist for the manager the duty manager to come out and for him to give her permission to use my own empty shopping bags um Luckily, things have changed dramatically since then yeah but, sounds like um it. I also seriously struggled um to 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 recycle um our, our domestic waste um because. There simply wasn't a collection scheme in place whatsoever. Mm. There was no separation of glass, aluminium, you know, all the things that can be recycled really easily. Yeah. And when sort of I I made Tabitha aware about the culture that I came from and how that was all so ingrained and made so 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 normal and so acceptable, but also how it was prior, prioritized. Um, she then joined me on a mission to see how we could implement some of those ideas in her hair salon that she already had.
0: Mm, okay, that makes sense. So you were actually kind of the catalyst for it to be kind of brought on board and and made into a core part of Tabitha James Cran.
1: My background opened up the conversations. Yes, yeah, yeah, my, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And well, you know, my—I I think you know—the Dutch culture, um, which very similar to Scandinavian culture, started the conversations. Like, how can we, how can we, uh, improve some of the things we're doing here with the limited public services that are currently available?
0: Yeah, really interesting. And so, what were you doing before you moved to the UK? On on your website, it says that you were. Uh, a researcher, so was that a big part of what you were doing before
1: uh yeah, I did study um at uh, one of the Dutch universities at um the faculty of philosophy okay. <laughs> now that's not necessarily research, <laughs> <laughs> but um the department that I was studying at was so small at the time that it was um it was really a really new concept, so I was put together with philosophy because it was the only way they could sort of justify placing it. Uh-huh. I studied uh, cognitive artificial intelligence, and this was back in the mid-90s.
0: Oh, wow. And so that, that research was then used in in the actual TJK product line and and all the work that you're doing at the salon. No, I think I'm just generally
1: um, researching is, is a skill that, that I've always been really good at. Mm. Um, so that skill has definitely come very handy when we started to offer, first of all, Referring back to what I was said, uh, said earlier, uh, that we were trying to find solutions for services that didn't exist yet um, in this country. Right. We came up with some of our own solutions, but also convinced eventually the local council to start a recycling um, service. Uh-huh. And further down the line, um, it also served us very well when we were determined to create um, a an, an hair care line only using natural ingredients which um, is incredibly hard and often we've been we've been told that you know by um, cosmetic scientists that what we want to achieve is impossible hmm. you know the, the combinations of the ingredients just are not going to stick together <laughs> uh, they're not going to last um, and it's due to you know sheer determination
0: and and continuous research that we found ways around it yeah fantastic well i think that that's um Definitely want to hear more about that. So you moved to the UK in 1998, and then Tabitha was already doing uh, – she already had her salon at that point. Um, and so how did it begin? I mean, because now, in my in my view and from what I've seen, it's, it seems like you're very much a leader in, in the sustainability hair care space. So how, how did it kind of begin?
1: Well, yeah, it's it's one of those – a series of uh, um, events that you know, led Tabitha to yeah. actually start her, her, her first salon at the young age of twenty-three, which is back then, as you soon know, it's quite um, for, for a uh, woman to start her own business at that age was was, was quite unusual, um, especially in in that sector. And it basically came down to the salon that she was working for uh, going bankrupt, and literally she was told one morning when she came into work that I'm really sorry but um we've we got to be out here um by lunchtime she's always had a had a had a, a fascination for hair and her mother was a hairdresser which is why she said she would never ever go down that route <laughs> you know teenage girl like I'm not going to do what my mum does no way
0: famous last words <laughs>
1: um but she 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 rolled into it um because she needed the job, you know, she, she, she wasn't going to continue studying for Chef. So she took on an apprenticeship in a local salon thinking like, well, they were looking for somebody. It's not something I really want to do, but I'm able to get some income until I find something that I want to do. And she just completely fell in love. And when she witnessed that on day one, she was like, yes, this is what I want to do. Uh, I want to be part of that. Hmm. And that's how the process started. So that, the combination of, of, of that um, led her to really dig deep and delve deep. And she went to London and went to the Sassoon Academy, studied there, and she really threw herself in.
0: So go, going back to the salon, on, on the website, it said that it's it's quite environmentally friendly. You have a lot of different programs in place to... Uh, to really be eco-friendly and sustainable. I, and I know recently on on the lucky day of the 13th, Friday the 13th of September, uh, you introduced the TerraCycle program to to the salon. Um, so what, what's kind of the thought process or what are some of the things that you do at the salon to um, to encourage that kind of environmentally friendly approach?
1: Well, so when we started looking at... So improving our waste, improving our sustainability, and also combined with the fact that Tabitha got pregnant with our first son back in 1999 and the light bulb moment she had when the midwife came to visit her and advised her to stop coloring her hair. Uh, and she questioned the midwife saying, like, well, hold on a second. I'm, I'm the hairdresser. I say you're the midwife. Who are you to tell me what to do with my hair? Yeah. <laughs> um, and the midwife, very in very, very clear, plain language, said anything you put on your scalp, and especially something as, you know, chemical like a hair dye, could potentially be absorbed through your skin, into your body, into your bloodstream, and affect your unborn baby. So, I mean, to say that to a pregnant woman is, of course, that that's going to, you know, be like, okay, if there's anything that could possibly harm my unborn baby, I'm going to look into this. Yeah. Which she did. The hair, the hair coloring industry has is, um, is, is been extremely good at hiding all the um, incidents that have happened over, over the years um, with literally… Uh, people having um, reactions that uh, uh, allergic reactions that resulted in instant death wow Uh, all over the world on a regular basis not many people are aware about this Um, if you if you do a google search you'll find some references here and there from newspaper clippings in england you'll find you'll find instances but it's it's no big deal. has been made about it. And it's just like being stung by a bee mm. uh, if, you're allergic, if you're allergic to that. That's how it's sort, of, so, sort of signed off as no big deal. But it is, in the same time, it is um, being proven to be directly related to the dyes in the hair that cause the reaction, which are ext- extremely uh, harsh synthetic chemicals um, that are created to open up the follicle. And to dye the, the, the inside, the core of the hair um, on the inside. So when the the, the 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 cuticle closes again, the color stays there much longer rather than staining the hair on the outside, which is what a, a semi-permanent color would be doing. Oh, I see. Wow. So when she had that light bulb moment and the midwife told her that, she was like, well, if this could harm my unborn baby... Obviously, it could potentially harm me as well. And that started the journey in a, in a much bigger skill, where she then said, like, I want to start looking at alternative ways of um, coloring people's hair, but also I want to start looking at all the other products that we use in our industry because nobody's ever told me that. When I was studying as a hairdresser, when I was doing my NVQ, and then later on, when I went to all these academies in London, nobody ever mentioned about actually what is in these products and how how they work. All we were learned is the technique and how to use them, not necessarily what is actually in them and how to protect ourselves from it, potentially. Mm-hmm. The consequences these products might have for the environment. When uh, when we wash it and rinse it out of somebody's hair and goes down the drain in it magically disappears effectively we've made it our life's mission to try and eradicate harmful synthetic man-made chemicals from our industry and when we started doing that in 1999 and we decided we're going to change our salon to a organic hair salon uh, a fresh air organic hair salon with a holistic approach we're gonna um, stop using uh, firms instantly we're gonna swap the colorings over for henna for uh, natural base colors uh we're going to stop using hair sprays and aerosols and we're going to start looking for alternatives that we can use instead but as you probably would have got from what i was telling earlier the salon was already a thriving successful business right so that caused a few issues because back yeah. in 1999, you couldn't just go to, um, to a wholesaler and say like, you know what? We don't want normal shampoo anymore. We want to have organic shampoo that hasn't got SLS in or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because it simply didn't exist. That led us then to go on a journey of studying and researching to start trying to, form, you know, to, to, to formulate our own products. In yeah. the meantime, things that we could implement straight away was like switching over to an electricity supplier that uh, was generating the electricity from sustainable resources, changing all the lights because uh, there's not usually a lot of light in a hair salon, a lot of strong, yeah. lot of strong high voltage lamp, uh, voltage lamps. So we changed them all over to low uh, low voltage, low voltage lamps. Uh, we started the recycling scheme. We, com- we got the local council and convince them um, to start a, a recycling scheme, start collecting the recycling materials, start s- separating everything that was recyclable. We even, for a long time, we collected all the hair uh, clippings mm. and we donated them um, to a local factory that turned them into mats that, then were, that were then sold to uh, uh, car garages because hair is extremely good at absorbing oil. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, so they were used to put underneath the cast when they were doing the surfaces, and when they were uh, changing the oil in the car over, and, and the yeah. mix would fall on the hair mat, um, and that would absorb it, rather than it falling on the floor and then having to use harsh chemicals to clean it all again. Yeah, I mean, that was just the start of the journey. So from then on, we, we just everything we do, we are always looking at what is the impact that it has on the environment to create this, what is the potential impact that it has um on the people around who are using this service or this product, and what is the impact that it has when um it's being discarded or it's 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 done its job
0: yeah I think it's it's really amazing that from that one comment. I mean, I'm sure there was more to it, but for the sake of the story, uh, you know, that one comment that the midwife made to Tabitha, uh, it went so much further than just don't color your hair. And now, you know, as, as you said, it it went all the way to you switching your electricity provider and donating the hair clippings. And, um, so it's, it's incredible how it was such a positive snowball effect, um, from just let's stop using harsh chemicals on our on on our hair and and scalp to let's take a look at from a holistic point of view on how everything we do is affecting not only our health, but the environment as well.
1: Uh, And all these things are connected. I I love that you use the word holistic because that is exactly, we didn't we never use that word, but all, all our clients and everybody around us didn't understand the word organic. This was in 1999. What, how can a hair salon be organic? Um, right. And this was before organic um, food were introduced in the supermarkets as well. Um, so it was a it was a, for a lot of people it was a complete uh, um, an concept that they couldn't understand, and, that, and and especially not in combination with a hair salon.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It is holistic, and it's it takes into account much more than just what you're doing at the salon because. I think in order to be a leader or to really make a, a change or a difference in the world, you really need to kind of go all the way. And by going all the way, then other people can say, "Oh well, I'll do a little bit of what they do." And by by doing that and having other people just make a little change by following you, you're you're creating that chain reaction. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. I mean, I don't think I don't. You know, I would definitely not want to. Put ourselves forward as an example, because it's been extremely hard work. Uh, what we're trying to do is 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 near enough impossible the the goal we've set you know we we, we want to eradicate all harmful chemicals from our industry, the hair industry, yeah. which is one of the biggest industries in this world within the beauty sector that's the, you know that's setting the goal really high so but just by making one tiny little change and the snowball effect that can have. If we, You know, if everybody would be doing that, we can make a
0: huge difference. Yeah. A huge difference. Absolutely. And going down that route, because that is quite a lofty goal, as you're saying, um, eradicating all harmful ingredients in the hair industry. So I'd, I'd love to hear, um, first of all, and you've already outlined this to, to a certain degree. So I, I guess what I'd love to hear is more about what it is exactly that you're doing. I think it'd be interesting to kind of compare and contrast first what uh, is considered "quote unquote" normal or mainstream, uh, and then have you tell us about what it, what you do at, at TJK with your products and why it's so different, and perhaps the challenges with that. So, um, if we start with kind of you know how normal hair care products are made, is there any kind of I guess rule of thumb in terms of you know when you go to just a supermarket or a drugstore and you see you know a five dollar or five pound bottle of shampoo for example on the shelf how how are those products typically made what's what goes into that so it was Mr Swashkov, uh
1: <laughs> who looked at that at that problem and looked at other industries and how they solved um, oily. Oil um, issues, oil-related issues, and he discovered that in in the factories they were using an ingredient called sodium lauryl sulfate um, that was designed to decrease the engines to get all the oil out, and they also use it if there were like big oil spills on the floor to mop up and to to get all this oil from the floor. Right, very effective and uh, but also very cheap. So he came up with the idea that if he used that ingredient on a, in a water-based uh, formulation and put it in a bottle, it would help if it's going to decrease you know, oil and, uh, from, from, from engines. It was, it's also going to be uh, very effective at getting that oil out of your scalp. So that was how the, the modern version of shampoo was born. It was born out of a out of a solution to get rid of the oil that our body naturally produces. So instead of brushing your hair um and spreading it through the lengths of your hair to protect it, just get rid of it. And that will stop your 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 hair from be become greasy. Now, I don't know about you, but i you know, when I heard that story, the first time I heard that story, I was Quite skeptical uh, about using a an, an, an really harsh synthetic man made chemical that is designed to mop up uh, oil spills from a factory floor and decrease um, engines to put that on my on my scalp um, to wash my hair with didn 't didn't, didn't sound right to me
0: yeah absolutely
1: now up to this day said so, one hundred and ten years later from when he first made that formulation. Um, I would say at least 99% of shampoos and uh, body wash as well still have this ingredient as the main surfactant, the main working ingredient after water in the formulation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, as soon as you said it, I recognized the name right away. I've seen it 100,000 times on every anything that's soap-based. You see sodium lauryl sulfate.
1: Exactly, because it's very cheap. It's very cheap to make, uh, which is why, um, you know, you can buy a bottle of shampoo uh, or body wash for one pound. Right. Because the main ingredient, the main the main surfactant um, is super cheap to make. Now, there's two big problems with that. Your skin... Is supposed to have a protective layer of oil, of course. If you if you would look at your hand and you move it around in the light, you see that soft sheen, yeah, uh, which is the essential. That's it's it's a it's a protective layer of oil that's there to protect your skin, but also to keep the moisture inside. And we have that on our on our scalp as well. What I was referring to earlier is, is that our scalp actually produces slightly more oil with the intention that we brush it through our hair, to feed our our hair, to moisturize and to protect our hair. So when you start using something that strips that all away, your body goes into a sort of an an, an adverse reaction. It goes like, well, that was meant to be there, so I'm going to make a bit more. And before you know it, you get stuck in in a perpetual circle because you'll find that the more you wash with a... SLS or other synthetic strong detergent based product, the more your body starts producing oil, the quicker you will feel your hair will feel greasy so during our research when we discovered that one of the first things we uh, we looked at this is like this is this is a big problem, and of course these uh, these harsh synthetic ingredients are so damaging to the hair that You then need to use other products to rectify the damage that the shampoo has done. Well, that's obviously serving the companies that make hair care products really well because they can then sell you Mm -hmm. a conditioner and a mask and a treatment and a a this and a that to rectify the damage that their shampoo did in the first place. Uh, But when we first discovered um, this and we, we really got to grips of what was going on here... We set out to create something that helped people to break that cycle, to help them to to stop washing all the time and wash so Mm -hmm. often, and to help to regain that balance, the the scalp balance, the natural oil production. So the first first thing we did is we created a a, a 100% natural dry shampoo, which is completely made with botanical-grown ingredients that – all have the ability to absorb excess oil without taking it all away so using natural ingredients like uh, rice potato burdock root all it down into fine powders and they all have their different functions into absorbing excess oil refreshing um, the scalp dislodging dirt and after brushing out and removing these, making, making your hair feel like it's been washed. Mm-hmm. And we added some essential oils as well. So your hair also smells clean because very early on in our journey, we discovered that a lot of people wash their hair because they wanted to smell nice. They wanted to smell like the fragrance that the shampoo has, yeah. not because the hair is dirty. Um, so that, that started the, the, the journey into that – was, that was our first hair care product that we made. We made it initially for our salon guests when we discovered this and when we were educating them on, on, on the, the perpetual circle that they got themselves trapped in and the solution that they were asking for, to but how do I stop this? Because if I, if I don't wash my hair, it feels awful. It feels greasy. It, 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 my scalp itches. I guess dandruff is a is a is a famous one as well. When people have little white bits of um, skin from the scalp come falling down on their on their shoulders, they call it dandruff. Uh, but that's not dandruff. That's just really dry skin um, that's 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 breaking off. It's dead tissue skin, which is caused by overwashing it with a with a detergent strong synthetic detergent based shampoo it dries out your skin
0: so if i go to if i need to get some new shampoo or soap or any really kind of product to wash one thing i should look out for is that sodium laureth sulfate ingredient yeah yeah, is there anything else that we should watch out for?
1: Yeah, there is there is a there is a whole list of of course um it's not the only one. There's there's a whole list of really harsh um uh, man-made yeah. synthetic detergents that are commonly being used in the um in hair care body wash products. They they're quite easy to find on the internet. There is a there is a really good resource. Um, again, it's, it's it's quite well known. If you uh, would go to the internet and you look for skin for the Skin Deep database, you go to uh, the website called ewg.org. So it's a cosmetic it's a cosmetic database. It's one of the uh, oldest, est- longest established database where you can research ingredients that um, by law always have to be put on the bottle of the product. So if you have a product uh, that you're not sure about in your hand, turn it around Mm -hmm. and the ingredients will be on it. By law, they have to. And any ingredients you're not sure about, and I would always say the the first five ingredients are are the most important ones. You can type in on on the uh, EWG Skin Deep Database, and they will give you some more background about where the ingredient comes from, whether it's man-made, natural, uh, any scientific research that has been done that has proven that it might have adverse reac- reaction on you, the environment,
0: etc. cetera. That's really helpful. You mentioned in your dry shampoo that you're using 100% natural ingredients. And um, I was reading on, on your website that you have a very specific way in terms of how you source these ingredients um and, and what you look for when you when you get them. So can you tell us a little bit about what ingredients you're using? Uh, well we use a, a lot of different ingredients. Our our formulations are
1: quite quite complicated in that we don't necessarily believe that less is more. We uh when we formulate something uh we have a really good understanding about what each botanical will bring to a particular issue that we 're trying to address, and if we design a product and we want to introduce multiple um, raw ingredients or botanical ingredients to make a combination to address multiple issues and create a hair care product uh, that is going to be usable by people with different kinds of hair types as well, so we don't we don't believe in marketing tricks like we make one product for somebody with curly hair and another product for somebody with straight hair and dry hair and Mm -hmm. whatever hair we make products that work for all hair
0: right and as far as the ingredients and use source organic ones and I've, i've also read that they're primarily local is that right
1: if we can, if it if we if it can grow in the UK, we will source it from the UK, and we will source it from a Soil Association certified UK farm or grower. Um, so the Soil Association, for people who are not aware about it, is the longest established independent uh, charity in the UK that certifies um, if a farmer or uh, anybody who grows uh, anything. Uh, from the ground any botanicals does not use uh, pesticide or artificial um, fertilizers um, and that the land that they grow on has not been treated um, for um, at least 10 years before they start growing on it um, that no gmo uh, is introduced and that they respect wildlife do not test their uh, their ingredients on animals etc etc and we are actually we are uh, a Soil Association certified brand because they will also certify cosmetics. And again, it's a, it's a similar issue. I mean, if you gonna spray something on on a crop that is capable of killing an insect, then I'm not sure if I wanna 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 eat that crop afterwards. No matter how much time it's been washed, um, if it can kill an insect, then it's you know I'm not sure if it's gonna do much good for me.
0: I think it's fair. And so is that the kind of the thought process in terms of why you're using organic ingredients in your products?
1: Yeah, because organic effectively is a measurement of the degree of, of how natural something is. The biggest frustration that we come across on a single, well, on every, on our, every day, and it's uh, in the last few years has actually really escalated, is, is that our industry, the beauty industry, is not regulated at all when it comes to um, Uh, using terms like natural and organic so the food industry is regulated so and this is a worldwide agreement if you are going into a shop and you buy um, a piece an apple which is certified organic then no matter where in the world that is grown it is it is passed by the same standards to make sure that it is an organic apple which means it is not being uh, sprayed or uh, right. grown with, with artificial uh, fertilizers in the beauty industry Unfortunately, that legislation does not exist mm. so this means that anybody who puts you know a drop of an organic uh, ingredient into their bottle, meaning that the total amount of the organic ingredients in the in the whole formulation might only be. can put on that it's an organic product and get away with it. There's no regulation. They're not going to be held accountable by anybody if they do that.
0: So your certification with the Soil Association is basically you saying that actually we are truly organic because the Soil Association, which is a regulating body that looks at food and creates a specific set of standards they have looked at your products and have said yes this passes this predetermined criteria
1: yeah they are an independent organization um, and everything we create has to first be approved by them every single ingredient we source we have to disclose exactly where we get them and from who They will backtrack and find out exactly who this person is, where it was grown, how it was grown, how it was processed, what happened in between, how it was transported to us, and the footprint that is had. Wow. Every single ingredient. Everything is being locked, Everything is being checked. No animals are being hurt. Uh, It is is a a complete audit of everything we do by, by an independent auditor, effectively who specializes in making you know, in, in, in making sure that this is all genuine, organically done.
0: That's incredible.
1: And it's not just a one-off process. We get inspected once a year. We get a huge inspection.
0: Incredible. I would imagine that you wear that Soil Association badge with pride, considering that anyone can say that they're organic, but you're organic and verified and certified.
1: Certified, yeah. And that's the thing. It's, you know, we... We have nothing to hide here. You know, we're doing this because we believe in it, yeah. not because it happens to be in fashion. 20 years ago, people wouldn't even think twice about buying a new new sweater or dress every week or two a week, I don't know, uh, and throw them out after wearing them two days because, you know, you buy a new one again because you've had those, for you've wore it for, for two days. Yeah. Uh, and the things are changing. You know, people are aware about the the huge amount of, Damage to the environment, the, the way people that actually are making these clothes are being treated. And it's, it's, it's really horrendous industry. The beauty industry is not far, far removed from, from those practices either. It's a huge industry with vast amounts of money going around. So in the last five years, what we've seen is, is that there hasn't been any significant growth in terms of turnover in the industry but there has been huge growth to people wanting natural, organic, transparent yeah. brands. Um, and, of course, the big boys who were who having, a, you know, a 99.9% of the market share, they are losing out because if the overall economy, if the overall industry doesn't grow, but only one segment within the industry grows, so which is mainly small independent brands trying to do the right thing, trying to be more aware and more sustainable about how they create these products, paying fair wages, paying back into society and, and, and donating to charities, then these big boys are going to want a slice of that as well. So what we're seeing at the moment is well-established companies that have been around for a long time and have been using the same formulation that Mr. Schwarzkopf initially created 110 years ago, they just add a few drops of magic organic something to that formulation and now they're also clean and sustainable and natural and using all the the buzzwords and marketing words that they think will sell the, their products again to that new generation that's coming through the the millennials and the generation Z that are looking for authentic authentic products
0: yeah and it's interesting because if you take a look at the organic products well, the these ones that you're specifically referring to, in terms of their pricing, they're they are more expensive than a one pound bottle of uh, of soap that you can get, you know, at some drugstores. I do remember you mentioning at the end of the day that um, actually, even though the the prices are different, your products aren't necessarily more expensive once you factor in a number of different things. So, can you tell us a little bit about TJK product pricing and and kind of the thought process behind it, and whether they are indeed more expensive or not?
1: So, that's a really um, interesting question, Daniel, and, and one that I get asked a lot uh, because we charge £25 for a bottle of shampoo, which to a lot of people seems a lot of money. Right. But you have to remember that um, going back to what I was saying earlier, the reason why we develop these products is because we're trying to break the endless cycle of having to wash your hair every single day. So the products, the products we've created are designed to help to rebalance the natural equilibrium uh, of your body to work with your body and in harmony with your body and your scalp and the natural oil production in, in particular. So you, when you first would start using a Tabitha James Cran product, it seems, um, it seems like a luxury, it seems like a treat, The products are scented with aromatherapy certified organic essential oils. And it's an experience. It's like a a spa at home. Hmm. But as you start using the products um, and you replace your previous um, shampoo, you'll start to notice a difference happening in the way your body is reacting, resulting over time, that instead of you feel like you have to wash your hair, it becomes a choice. And clients that have been using our products for, you know, more than, you know, for years now, they've come to a stage where they can easily go two weeks in between washes. So although it seems a very high expense, uh, 25 pounds for a bottle of shampoo in in the first instance, if you take into account that, it can achieve. You only have to wash your hair once a week, and you do the calculations, and effectively, in the long term, it is the same cost as a one-pound bottle you buy in a supermarket. Our products are also highly concentrated. They're made with aloe vera juice rather than water. You don't need to use as much. Um, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot more than just the price point uh, when you start comparing products with each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's um, it's a really good point. I think it's kind of like the argument of um, sometimes investing in, in an expensive pair of jeans, assuming that they actually are high quality, um, because high quality jeans will last you potentially for years. Uh, and they may cost, you know, four or five times as much as kind of the cheaper jeans. But cheaper jeans you'll need to replace maybe once or twice a year. And so by the time that your high-quality jeans actually need replacing, you've bought, you've spent the same amount, if not more, on cheap jeans.
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, you're knocking the nail on the head. And this is, the, you know, when it comes down to sustainability, because I don't know about you, but uh, my first washing machine literally lasts 30 years. yeah, the thir- and, and it was still going strong. The only reason I haven't got it anymore is because, I didn't want to move it to England, so I I gave it to a friend when I when I left the Netherlands.
0: Are they still using it? it it's still
1: going now. <laughs> so that washing machine is now fifty years old, you know. <laughs> and since I've lived in England, I've already had to buy three washing machines. Yeah. Because it got to a stage where, yeah, of course things break down, but it got to a stage where it was actually more expensive to fix the the the, the machine. Yeah. Then it was to buy a new one mm-hmm. because we've demanded that everything has to be as cheap as possible now. And the whole economic system is driven towards making things available at a, as cheap a, a price as possible at the sacrifice of the quality. And you can still get quality, but the few companies that remain... yeah in the world that builds true tr- you know truly quality products they have to now charge such vast amounts it's not accessible for us anymore it's it's just not we can afford it anymore because they've been pushed out of the the the, the mass consumer market by the drive prison competition to the extent that their prices are now unaffordable for most of us
0: and and with that kind of as the backdrop I'm what I'm interested in, in knowing about is really, based on everything we've talked about so far, and uh, kind of from your experience and point of view, would you say that sustainability is sustainable? Meaning, you know, does it actually make sense from a financial standpoint for both consumers and companies and organizations to focus on being environmentally friendly, kind of from a financial standpoint? Because if if it's not financially Viable, then it's hard to justify actually continuing doing something
1: that's a really good question and uh you know this it's not a simple answer um at the moment the way the economy is working uh, it's going to be very hard to introduce a new way of thinking um, that is that is going to be sustainable in the long term one of the one of the issues that the solar association is battling with is that there is an argument that we can't, there's simply not enough land to grow organic ingredients to feed the whole world. Hmm. Um, but on the other side, actually by, by by creating that land, it would also bring back so much biodiversity that, other food resources would become available that we've lost. Right. We've lost a lot of resources in the way that our consumerism, capitalistic, economic cycle is taken us to. If it becomes acceptable to just buy a new product because the first one is broken or to buy a new sweater because you've already wore it once then and all those all those resources that were required to make it are being discarded and often not even given to somebody else but go into landfill so it's not a question of if it would be sustainable to become more aware about the limited resources we have i think it's more that the way we live now is not going to be sustainable
0: yeah so we don't really have a choice. We we need to make it work. Well, I
1: mean, look around you. Um, you know, I know this, I'm not quite sure when this, this interview is going live, but we've got a huge UN conference coming up again, climate mm-hmm. strikes all around the world. Uh, people are waking up to the fact that people are becoming aware that we've gone over the tipping point now uh, and it's early days, but we are starting to you know, see the effects that humans have had on, on, on nature and, and, the, and the negative effect on the balance is starting to show up in, in, in the climate change. Um, mm-hmm. Sustainability, therefore, the only way I see it is to always, always take what you can replace Or what nature can naturally replenish, and that is that is that is true sustainability. I love the brands that work with bamboo. Bamboo is one of the fastest growing plants in the world. So it can literally grow a meter in a day. Yeah. Uh, And in the salon, we've got some amazing uh, organic bamboo uh, um, uh, briefs. You know, like basic underwear and, and leggings and they are so comfortable Uh, they're so breathable and and the the bamboo that they made of was grown back within a day of making this clothing out of them yeah they last forever when this is real sustainability it's it's i have no issue with um with you know with taking from nature and, and using resources and developing and building a better world for everybody. I mean, that's, that's what we, we all want to do. We want, we want to make uh, life more interesting, more comfortable. We want to eradicate disease. Uh, we want everybody to be more content and to be more happy. But it can only be done if the resources that we use to achieve that goal are not com- completely depleted. Yeah, And this is the path that we're on at the moment. And that is not going to be sustainable, of course.
0: It's very true. And so what, what can people listening to this podcast do to be more eco-friendly in their daily lives? If you really want to be uh, more eco-friendly, take your shoes off,
1: take your socks off, and walk on the grass, and go outside, and go into nature. Yeah. Most of us live way, way too much of our time um, in, inside, in buildings, away, away from, from nature. And it's that disconnect. Humans are part of nature. We're made out of the same building blocks and the same the same atoms in the same cells as trees and animals out, out there are. And we should never forget that. We should never allow ourselves to be... To be separated from that, which is what is what has been happening, so if you want to become more sustainable and more eco aware then keep start going out as much as you can yeah every 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 opportunity you have go out there and and enjoy being outside and breathing in fresh air
0: I think it's that's a great suggestion, and oftentimes when you do go out in nature you end up feeling refreshed and rejuvenated and just Kind of overall in a in a much better and healthier state of mind. Um, so Dennis, thank you so much for for your time. I think this was you took us on an, on an incredible journey with a lot of twists and turns and very interesting facts and uh, things that I don't think we've ever, at least I certainly had no idea about. So I, if people wanted to learn more about. About Tabitha James Crown as a um, as a brand or as a person, where could they go to to find you and find more information and what you're doing? Uh,
1: well, they can they can um, ideally come and visit us in one of our salons in the UK, okay? Um, and that would that would be amazing because um, then you would really get to experience everything that and all the changes that we've been trying to instigate yeah. in the last twenty years. Um, in in our in our industry but alternatively um, they can visit our website and find out uh, where other partners tjk partners across the world are and they can go and visit them Um, if you're in america or in canada or in europe anywhere uh, we've got we've got partners um, all over the world now that have um, joined our, our journey and are sharing our message and um, they're all educated directly by Tabitha, and you know they share our same philosophy. So, if you go to uh, tabithajk.com, dot com, um, then you can find you can find all these um, these wonderful um, this this net, network of, of 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 Tabitha's friends all across the
0: world. Excellent. Well, it's great to to know that regardless of where you are, you have access to the high quality products and to the expertise that. Tabitha has as far as being a hair geek and passing that knowledge on to others Absolutely absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you so much Dennis, really appreciate it Thank you very much for listening to this episode If you'd like to learn more about Dennis and Tabitha James Cron organic hairdressing, please visit their website at tabithajamescron.com and that's spelled T-A-B-I-T-H-A J-A-M-E-S k-r-a-a-n.com or like their Facebook page at T-J-K Organic you can also follow them on Twitter at Tabitha J-K for more updates if you enjoyed this conversation please subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know about new episodes we're on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, and really anywhere else where you can listen to podcasts and let us know you listened to this episode on Instagram tag us at tabitha jk and at sustainability matters today we'd love to hear from you thanks and talk to you soon